Welcome. My name is Dr. Jonathan Vorse, and thank you for downloading our podcast today on Working the Word. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to receive new podcasts every week. Thank you for your support at jvorse.org and enjoy the message today. Once again, um, we're going to be talking about, some, we've got some questions that we're going to be talking about today, and it's kind of fun in the first service, and it's going to be kind of fun here in, in this service, I think. Um, and once also, uh, because I copied this from the first one, because it's the springboard scripture, uh, I need to fix that, but that's 1 Peter chapter 3 instead of 2 Peter, uh, verses 15 through 16. But if you'll read our springboard scripture for us. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It's not easy to be gentle and respectful when there are people who are speaking maliciously against you, is it? But it's also very, but it's important to do that. So this is, we need to make sure that we answer with the right attitude when people ask questions, because most of the time people ask questions because they don't know the answer. Not always do people ask questions just to try to get under your skin, but most of the time they actually do ask questions because they don't know the answer. So we're going to be dealing with some of these questions today. And we, uh, the Bible said a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. So how we answer things a lot of times is just as important as what the answer is. So we have to have the right spirit and the right attitude. All right, question Number eight in this series. Who do I pray to? God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Mother Mary, or dead saints? Who do you want to pray to? <laughs> uh, not the dead saints. <laughs> How many has ever heard that? You've heard of people that pray to, um, you know, people that's went home to be with the Lord, or they'll pray to St. Paul, or, or they'll pray to what they call, you know, Mother Mary, the mother of Jesus. A lot of people do that, you know, in other religions and whatnot. So the Bible has a little bit to say about things like this. So that's what we're going to talk about beginning today. It's the first question. So who do I pray to? In Matthew chapter 6, and verse, verse, beginning of verse number 9, we find what we call the Lord's Prayer in Christendom. I really like would think that it's more the disciples' prayer. It was the model prayer that Jesus used to teach people how to pray. And in the very first phrase, the Bible said, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So in the, in the model prayer, he taught us to address our prayers to God. So we pray to God. Somebody say, to God. God. We're going to pray to God. And so we find that. And there's other places in the Scripture, but for sake of time this morning, we're not, going to kind of, we're not really going to delve into them. So we pray to God, and then in Matthew 7, 23 through 25, the Bible says... Now there have been many of these priests since death prevented them from coming in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he's a, he's a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. So we see that we pray through Jesus. We don't pray through anyone else. Listen, Mother Mary's not your intercessor. Your, your relatives that passed away, they're not your intercessor. Jesus is your intercessor. He's the one that's in heaven interceding on your behalf to God. So you don't pray to Mother Mary. You don't pray to dead saints. You pray to God through Jesus. And this passage of Scripture here in Hebrews chapter 7 is talking about the selection of priests in the Old Testament anyways. And it deals with the fact that, that uh, these priests 
live and die. The reason that Jesus is the intercessor and the reason that we pray through Him is because He's the only priest who is, is still alive, like, like He rose from the dead. Okay, so because of that, then He has a permanent priesthood. So it doesn't sunset on the fact that His body laid down in death. His body laid down in death, and three days later He rose again. He conquered death. Jesus conquered death. Uh, that coupled with the fact that He's the Son of God uh, and was sent to this earth to be the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world means that we pray through Him. So we pray to God, we pray through Jesus, and we pray with the help of Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 26-27 says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, when we don't know what we should pray for, the Spirit can intercede through us with groanings which can't be uttered or wordless groans. And He searches our hearts and He knows the minds of the Spirit and He knows the will of God. So He intercedes on our behalf to God because He knows us and He knows God and He knows what to pray on our behalf before God. So the real quick answer is we pray to God through Jesus. And the way we pray through Jesus is by praying in the name of Jesus. We're praying by His authority. So we pray to God through Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit. So you don't pray to Jesus and you don't pray to the Holy Spirit. You pray to God. We pray to God. Okay? Is that pretty clear? You have any questions? Okay. Now, should we pray to dead saints? That's a loaded question. You know, I mean, we kind of chuckle about that. But there are people who do this. They really do. They worship their ancestors. Uh, the question itself is a problem. Is a saint dead? I mean, if, if someone gives their life to Jesus, the Bible says in John eleven twenty six, Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Now the physical body may die, but you're still alive. When I go to heaven, you know, I'm not going to have dirt in my eyes. When I go to heaven, I'm, I'm still alive. When this, when this body lays down, when this old earth suit lays down, I'm still going to keep on living. We only pray to God. We can't pray to our ancestors and those that went on before because if we pray to anything else other than God, it's idolatry. So we don't want to do that, okay? And then uh, uh, praying to a dead saint and talking to them are two different things. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean, we don't petition them. We don't worship them. We don't pray to them. We don't do anything like that. But they're not dead, right? They're still alive, right? So why can't I just say something to my grandma every now and then? Grandma, I wish you were here. I told the, um, I told the illustration in, my, in the first service about my first trip to Jamaica back in 1985. I was there by myself. Uh, I was a teenager. I felt all alone. And I was just praying. And my grandmother, who was my mom's mom, passed away when my mother was seven years old. So mom was finished, her, her brothers and her sister finished raising her. She was the baby, but she barely remembers her mama. Well, we grew up away from all of our family. I didn't have uncles around, aunts around, cousins, nieces, grandmas, grandpas, none of that stuff. Uh, dad moved us away from Michigan all the way down to Missouri and Arkansas when I was three years old. And there's reasons that he did that, but... I grew up in Missouri and Arkansas, states away from my entire family. I went back to see my grandfather and grandmother, his mom and dad, when I was 13 and when I was 17. That's all I remember. Um, and then 
uh, my sister and I went and spent two weeks with my grandfather, who was my mother's uh, dad, uh, in Mountain Home, Arkansas, which was several hours away from where we were living, uh, for two weeks, one summer when I was about 11 or 12. And that's the only time we ever did that. So I, I, I didn't know them. I didn't know my grandmother. I didn't know my grandfather. I didn't know my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, anything like that. So I don't have anything really to go back to. And that's been one of the things that I've had to learn with Donna because Donna grew up with all of that stuff. And all that stuff was really, really important to her. And I had no frame of reference for it. So that's one of the things we had to learn. Uh, and, and I tell you, I like having family around a whole lot better than not having them around. But I was in Jamaica. So I said all of that to say this. There's no way I could have known my grandmother. My mother didn't remember very much about her. All that I knew about her was what my mother had told me, and I didn't have aunts and uncles around to tell me about her. So I didn't know, my, I didn't know her. And so I'm in Jamaica, and I'm praying and just talking to the Lord, and I told the Lord, I said, I am so lonely, so lonely. All of a sudden, I felt the presence of my grandmother, and I knew it was her, like I had known it forever, and I also, at the same time, felt she's proud of me. It's like there was this premonition that she was there and that she was, she's proud of me. And it felt like she was there in the room with me. I didn't feel alone anymore. Well, is this possible? Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are those witnesses? I think it's the saints who have gone on before. So in answer to this question, Grandma died, can she still see and hear me? The answer is yes, she can. But you can't pray to her. And you can't worship her. But that don't mean you can't talk. See what I'm saying? So, those who have died in Christ are only dead physically. Their spirit lives on. They're still worshiping the Lord. They still pray to God. And according to Hebrews 12 and 1, they witness our daily walk. So, so my thing is this. If I died right now, that doesn't end my worship. Did you hear me? I said, if I died right now, that doesn't end my worship. I'm going to continue worshiping Him. For all of eternity, and I'm sure there's going to be different things for us to do when we get up there. And if there's not, I'm going to have a meeting with God and say, can we do something, please? You know, but no, I'm sure there's things that, that we're going to be able to do. So th their spirit lives on. And so they're going to, they continue to worship. And the Bible says when we get to heaven, we'll be known as we were known. I'm going to know who you were. I'm going to know you attended my church. You're going to, you're going to know that, that I was your pastor. We're, we're going to know that. The Bible said when we get to heaven. Now, here's where the fine line is. And I've got several scriptures down here for it. We're not going to read them. But you can take notes or watch this later and then take notes. But the fine line is this. We have to stay away from demonic activity. Stay away from spiritism. Stay away from mediums. Stay away from calling up the dead. Stay away from your horoscopes. Don't go to tarot card readers. Don't go to people like that. That is demonic. That's demons. Well, how do you know that? Well, stay away from witches. Stay away from you know stuff like that, witchcraft. Stay away from it. Well, there's white witchcraft and there's black witchcraft. Witchcraft is witchcraft. Stay away from it. Stay away from it. In the Old Testament, the Bible said that Steve, King, not Steve. Yeah, Steve. Hi, Steve. No, uh, King, King, King Saul uh, 
he, he had gotten off track and he wanted to hear from the prophet Samuel, so he went to the witch of Endor. And the Bible said that she conjured up her little thing like that and God allowed the prophet Samuel to come back, which lets me know he, he wasn't completely dead. He wasn't like dead. He was like in a different world, but he wasn't dead. God allowed him to come back and it freaked the witch out. She was like, whoa, and it scared her. I mean, it did. It scared her. And then the Bible goes on and it talks about how that we're not supposed to be doing that. We're not supposed to be calling up the dead. We're not supposed to be involving ourselves in things like that. Okay? So stay away from spiritism. Stay away from your daily horoscope. Stay away from tarot cards. Stay away from all of those kinds of things. And just worship God. Now on the other side of the grave, we, we worship our Heavenly Father on this side of the grave. And we're going to worship Him on the other side of the grave. And the Bible says that we are surrounded by a cloud of many witnesses. And I'm going to give you something to think about. I think that while we're worshiping the Lord, that this cloud of witnesses can see us. Some of them may even be present. We can't see them because they're in a different dimension. We can't really see them. But when we lift our hands to worship the Lord, it's very possible they lift their hands to worship Him too. This is an activity that we can participate with those who have went on to be with the Lord we can participate with them in doing that. When I worship the Lord, I'm worshiping Him with my grandmother. I'm worshiping Him with my grandfather, my other grandmother who's went home to be with the Lord, my, some of my mentors that's went home to be with the Lord. I just know they're having the time of their life, and, and I know them. I know they're keeping tabs on some of us, you know, and so I'm worshiping the Lord. And let me tell you something. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 can help you with your spiritual walk. Because it makes you realize when you think no one's watching, there's a cloud of witnesses. There's an all-seeing eye watching you. They can see. They can hear. They can understand. All right? So, anything there? Interesting? Answered well? Fantastic. Next question. Why is attending church so important when I can just watch it online? I think this is a fantastic question, especially in the day and age in which we live, because there's people, they say, well, I can just watch it online, or I'll just stay home, and I'll just... And I've had people literally say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And I'll just say to them, well, if you are really a Christian, wild horses couldn't keep you away. I mean, you want to go to church. Why physical attendance? Why? Hebrews chapter 10, this is the scripture that anybody who, anybody who does any type of teaching on anything, well, this is the one they always default to, so let's handle it first. But there's other scriptures we're going to talk about. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and the more as you see the day drawing near. So there's a couple of reasons why the Bible says that we need to physically attend church here. Number one, we're supposed to stir each other up to love and good works. Well, I can do that on the phone. Not as well as you can do it in person. Can you smell someone's cologne on the phone? You can't, can you? Can you smell their perfume? You can't. Can you see their expressions? Unless you're FaceTiming, but can you see their expressions? Chances are that you can't. So you're only communicating in part. 
You can't see their body reactions, even if you're FaceTiming. Most of the time you can't see the body reactions or anything like that. You don't, you're not in the same environment. So their, their interpretation of what you're trying to say might be influenced by the environment that they're in. And it's a different environment than what you're in. And so there could be misunderstandings. Here's the thing. When you come to church and you worship with your brothers and sisters, all five senses are involved. All five senses are involved. And so there's a lot clearer communication with your brothers and sisters, and it's a lot easier to stir them up to love and to stir them up to good works if you can reach out and touch them, if you can see how they're responding, uh, and, and you can tease them about their cologne. Right? And that, that is a touche when it comes to encouraging one another also. It's easier to encourage one another when you're there and you can actually, sometimes people are encouraged because you give them a hug or you pat them on the back, you know, or you reach out and you shake their hand. There's something about the human touch that's very, very important. You want to say anything here? Um, well, just like as someone who isolates themselves, like I, I have noticed like how much better it is to when I'm feeling down or I don't feel good or whatever, like to come into church, how much better I feel whenever I leave, even though I didn't want necessarily to come. So I didn't know that that was in scripture before I started this. So that's cool. And, um, you know, that's one of the tactics that the enemy uses is isolation. If he can divide you from the pack, he can get you weak, and then he moves in for the kill. So don't let the devil pull you off in a corner. And, and another thing, too, is that if the devil can pull you off in a corner all by yourself where there's no communication, then he can start making you believe things that's not even true because there's no other voices in your ear. So it's important for uh, us to be together. Here's another scripture for, about this. Hebrews 18 and 20, where two or three are gathered together in His name, there He is in the midst of them. So we gather together for the purpose of agreement. So we can live together in agreement. We pray in agreement. We stand in agreement. We walk in agreement. But this is the big one. We foster unity in the body of Christ by building agreement. That's what we do. And so that's important for us to, uh, we're to gather together for the purposes of agreement. Uh, this is one of my favorite scriptures on that subject. Hebrew, or not Hebrew, Psalms chapter 92. My mind is running here. Psalms 92, verses 12 through 14. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Look at verse 13. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age, and they shall be fat and flourishing. Let's dissect this for just a few moments. The Bible said, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. What does that mean? You know, we have hurricanes here in Florida. We have big storms in Florida. A storm can come through and take everything away, and when the wind is done blowing, the palm tree stands back up. It may have lost all of its leaves or palms or whatever, but it comes back up because it can survive that turbulent storm. What they're saying here, what the scripture is saying here is that when we plant ourselves in the house of the Lord, that we can flourish like a palm tree. That means we can survive turbulent times. You know, it's a whole lot easier to make it through tough times if you're in the habit of faithful church attendance. It's a lot more difficult to survive tough times if you only come to church when you're having tough times. Some people use God, they just use Him. 
You know, some of them use him like an ATM. Some of them use him for all kinds of things. But okay, now God, I'm going to pray now because I need something from you. But there's a, 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 a totally different level of relationship that everything we need from God can grow out of. And, and it's just a relationship of love. I mean, loving God and God uh, loving us. And so when we are planted in the house of the Lord, uh, then that talks about we can flourish like the palm tree. And then it says we can grow like a cedar of Lebanon. And uh, cedars of Lebanon grew strong and they were useful for many things. People made furniture out of them. Uh, Solomon used cedar in the construction of the temple along with shittim wood. It's called shittim wood. It's not a cuss word. It's H-I-T-T-I-M. Shittim wood that was overlaid with gold. But cedar also puts off a beautiful fragrance. I mean, cedar, cedar and, and the smell of cedar is the smell of worship. It's the smell of worship. I mean, that Solomon's temple smelled wonderful. And the Bible said that when they opened the temple, the presence of the Lord came in so strong at the dedication of the temple, there were walls overlaid with gold, there was cedar, there was worship, and the presence of God got so strong that the priests couldn't even stand to minister the Word of God. And the smell of that cedar was just wafting through the house of God. And so... What this basically means here, I think, in typology, we can grow like a cedar of Lebanon. God can make us strong. He can make us useful for many things. When we faithfully attend church, we become more useful to God. He can use us in better ways, and then our lives give off the fragrance of worship. It helps our lives give off the fragrance of worship. So um, I thought that was awesome. And then the Bible said we will continue producing an old age and become fat and flourishing. Praise the Lord. Okay. Anything else? One more scripture. We'll just run through this pretty quick and get to the next question, the last question, which is fun. That question's fun. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. You can read it later, but it talks about the body being together. We come to church so we can discover our place in the body of Christ and we can grow in unity one with another. We can be mentored by those who have the same calling of God upon their life that we have. We can be taught the Word of God, and we can be led by our leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and we can be taught by them. We can be led by them. Every, everybody needs spiritual leaders in their life. And then the Bible says there in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, that we supply one another, which means that we offer support to one another. So it's important for us to come to church so we can offer support to our brothers and our sisters. So, you know, you, you might say, well, I don't need support. Yeah, but the person sitting in front of you or behind you may need it. Amen. They might need that support from you, you know, and, and uh, they, they might need um, your word of encouragement. They might need your smile. They might need your prayer. They might need your touch. What if you're not there? Well, God will use somebody else. Well, God can use somebody else. Obviously, He always has a Reuben. But why would you want to pass on the blessing that comes with God using you? So we need to put ourselves in a position where we can receive support from one another and we can give support to one another. And so that's another reason that we should physically attend church. Any questions before we get to the last one? All right, question number 10. This is fun. What is it? So why do some people dance and get loud during praise and worship? <laughs> Isn't that irreverent? What do you think? Uh, no. 
No, but as someone, like, obviously, I love to move. I love to dance. I love to be loud. And, like, I have been, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and I've had people be like, why do you do that? Like, that's not necessary. Or, And for me, it's like, hey, I've been through too much, and God's been too good and too faithful for me, you know, to just stand still. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. But that is a, you know, a common question that I've heard people ask before. Mm-hmm. Yep. And stuff like, why do you keep singing the same song over and over? Why can't you just sing the verses in the chorus and then sit down? Because, you know, that's entertainment. We're into worship. We want to worship. Outward expressions of worship are found all through the Bible. Somebody say outward expression. Yeah, there you go. You're here. You're here. Outward expressions of worship are all through the Bible. Some places in the Scripture it tells us to dance. Some places it tells us to shout. Some places it tells us to raise our hands. Some places it tells us to clap our hands. I think it's irreverent to disobey God's Word. Some people say, well, I just think it's very irreverent if we just make noise. We should come and just be quiet and holy, holy. Do you really think that's what heaven's like? You're going to be very disappointed if you think that's what heaven's like. You're going to really be disappointed. When Jesus returns, He's coming back with a shout. He's coming back with a shout. So I think since our future is designed for us to have outward expressions of praise and worship, that we should establish a culture of godly worship in our lives right now. Right? Amen. Oh, I was just, I can even praise to a ringtone. Okay. So let's look at some of these terms. And this is where it's fun. We're going to look at some worship terms and we're going to look at some praise terms that are found in the Bible. Now, uh, some of uh, the, actually, probably pretty much all of them are going to be in Hebrew. And you say, well, how come? Well, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greek. And so we do these. We do these. uh, We're going to uh, interpret these from the Hebrew, okay? So the first word is uh, shacha, and that's found in Psalms 29 and verse number 2. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. That word worship there translates from the Hebrew meaning to prostrate yourself or to bow down. That's what it means. So when it says ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name, uh, prostrate yourself and bow down before the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Now after each one of these you'll see the Strong's reference which is a concordance And that's where the translation is for that particular word. So those of you that are studying, if you want uh, to write that down. The second word for worship is Barak. And let's read that. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. So let us bow down in worship. That means to kneel down. It means to adore. And it means to salute. To salute. And so come, let us bow down in worship. Let us adore Him. Let us salute Him. Let us kneel down before the Lord, our Maker. Now, let's look at the praise terms. There's a lot more praise terms than there are worship terms. And let's look at the praise terms, some of the praise terms. So you notice, uh, in worship, it was uh, shacha. In, uh, in praise, it's shabak, shabak. And uh, go ahead and let's Psalms 145 and verse 5. One generation shall praise thy works to another and declare thy mighty acts. That word praise there means to address in a loud tone, to command, to triumph, to glory, and shout. That's 
Gotcha. See, that's what it means. It means to address in a loud tone, to command, to triumph, to glory, and to shout. Tehila, not to be confused with tequila. <laughs> tequila, Psalms 33 and verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. All right, praise there is the word tehila, which means to sing or to laud. And that laud would mean like, add a girl, way to go, girl, go, 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 go. That would be like laud, like your favorite football player has the ball and he's running toward a touchdown and everybody's chasing him, ain't nobody going to catch him. And you're jumping up hollering, go, 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 go. That's to laud. That's to laud. And so that's a form of praise. Go, God, go, God, go, 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 God. Way to go, God. Woo, come on, God, woo. That's praise. That's praise. Okay? The next one is yada. Yada. I will praise you forever for what you have done. In your name I will hope, for your name is good. I will praise you in the presence of your saints. And this is to extend the hands to God, or it's to throw open your hands to God like that. It's like, God, I give you praise. God, I give you honor. God, I give you glory. Oh, God, I give you... That's what it means, to throw your hands up. Just... Just like that, to extend your hands and to throw your hands up to God. And that's what yada means there in Psalms 52 and verse number 9. That's what the word praise, it's yada. Okay, halal, Psalms 35, 18. I will give you thanks in the great assembly among thongs of people, I will praise you. To shine, to boast, to celebrate, or to act clamorously foolish. Now you have an excuse. To act clamorously foolish. Let's think about this for a moment. If someone comes in and they don't know Jesus, and there's a whole bunch of people going, Whoa, God! Yeah, 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 yeah! They're going to think we are acting foolish, right? We're just praising God. So the next time your husband or your wife looks at you and says, You're acting foolish. You're just saying, I'm halaling. <laughs> just giving God praise. I'm just halaling. And so... Don't worry. See, in the end, what the enemy will do is he'll get you thinking about what people are going to think about around you. Look, they're, they're looking at you. What do you think they're thinking? Who gives a fried piece of bologna what they think? I, it, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm just going to worship God. I'm just going to praise God. All right. Zamar, Zamar, Psalms 21, verse 13. Be exalted, O Lord, in your own strength. We will sing and praise your power. This means to touch the strings of an instrument, musical instrument, and to add your voice to it. So all of those people that think that you shouldn't have worship uh, in church, and some people say, well, why do you have to have so many instruments and all of that kind of stuff? Well, we're just zamarring. That's what we're doing. Uh, Psalms 21 and verse 13, the Bible tells us that we to, are to exalt Him and to give Him strength and to praise His, his name uh, and to praise His power. And we do that when we sing and when we play music, and when we worship the Lord. Okay? Uh, the next one here is Rakad. Rakad. As the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a, win from a window. And when she saw King David dancing and celebrating, she despised him in her heart. And that term dancing and celebrating in the Hebrew means to spring about wildly for joy, to jump, and to leap. It's a form of praise. Spring about wildly, jumping, leaping. You ever been in a service where the praise was uh, uh, pretty exciting and people just started jumping up and down like that almost to the beat of the music? Well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a praise. That's a form of praise. His wife, Mikael, 
David's wife, Michal, um, she found fault with David. David was doing that because the Ark of the Covenant was coming back into the city, back, and that's what he was doing. And so he was excited because that was the representation of the presence of God in the Old Testament. And he was shouting and dancing and leaping and uh, spinning around wildly for joy and all of that. And so at the end of all of that, his wife looked at him and said to him, How foolish did the king make himself look in front of his constituents today? I'm paraphrasing. And so she found fault with him. And now that's the Old Testament, not the New Testament. And God struck her barren because of it. She didn't have any kids because of it. Listen, when you, listen very closely. <laughs> when you find fault with other people's praise, you abort your own spiritual fruit. Amen. Don't do that. All right, Machal. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. Okay, that's Psalms 149 and verse number 3. Machal is a round dance. It means to twist and to whirl and to dance in a circle. Vicky likes that one. You twist, whirl, and you dance in a circle. This all twist and whirl and dance in a circle, twist and whirl. Say it with me, dance in a circle, twist. That's what we do. That's, that's praise. That's a form of praise. It's a form of worship. Well, pastor, do I have to do all of this? No, if God didn't build you to do that, don't do it. But don't find fault with others that do. That's the point. So Psalms 149 and verse number 3, uh, let them twist with a round dance, whirl, or dance in a circle uh, with dancing and making music to Him with a tambourine and with a harp. In other words, raise a ruckus. I saw on Facebook a pair of shoes that had tambourines on the bottom. Yeah. So you're telling me I can wear those. You can wear them <laughs> if you wear them to band practice first and get it approved. In practice, okay, oh. got it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, there's three more, all right? Uh, Terua, Terua, uh, Psalms 47 and verse 5. God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Cool. All right. Shouts of joy, acclamations of joy, like a battle cry or crying aloud with a loud noise. And so that's a form of, a, of outward praise, like loud outward praise. Ruah, R-U-W-A, Ruah, Psalms 47.1. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. So this is joyful outcries. This is clapping. This is rejoicing. This is shouting. This is uh, strong outward expressions of praise and worship. And then the last one today that we're going to talk about is Kara, C-A-R-A, which is Psalms 95 and verse number 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. This means, Kara means to bend the knee. It implies sinking. It implies falling. It implies stooping down. In Christendom today, some people call it being slain in the Spirit. So there's other places in the Scripture where the Bible talks about that also. When Paul, his name was Saul, at his conversion, he was walking on the road to Damascus, and the Bible said that this light came out of heaven, and the Bible said Saul fell to the ground. That was what we would call being slain in the Spirit or being slain under the power, falling under the power of God. Uh, in Psalms 95 and verse number 6, when the Bible says, Come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, that also talks about falling down before the Lord, stooping down, bending the knee, things like that. In the 
New Testament when the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. If you really study that in its context and you really get really deep into it and you start studying it, you'll find, you'll find out that when the Holy Spirit came upon them and tongues of fire came upon them, that He rendered them powerless of all of their human faculties, which means they fell under the power of God. And the tongues of fire are not the little tongues that you see over top of people's heads in these pictures and stuff like that. When you study that tongues of fire, it's like if, if there was... Uh, Anyone ever seen a frog go after a fly or something like that? Yeah, it goes, choo, 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 and that's what it was. So their tongues of fire were going pew, 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 like that, and people were falling under the power of God. They were able to stand in the presence of God because of that. And so there's different places in the Scripture that it literally talks about that. Okay? So um, you think that we should be more expressive in our worship? Let me say this, and I've said it many, many times. When my worship attracts more attention to me than to Him, then I need to re-examine my expression of worship. But there are times when the presence of God comes in the house, and we just need to surrender. We just need to yield. We need to let God shout us. We need to let God twirl us. We we need to let God do whatever He wants. We need to be responsive to the move of the Spirit. Some people have asked me, why do you turn the lights down? One, one lady asked me, she said, why do you turn the lights down when there's praise and worship? Don't you know that God is light and in Him there's no darkness at all? I said, well, I appreciate your take on that. I said, but uh, you know, the reason we do that is because it tends to bring people more into one mind and one accord. Their focus is a little more on the worship, and also there's things that's going around people that if the lights are a little bit lower, you don't tend to notice it as much, and maybe you'll just focus more on the Lord, you know, and so that's, that's why we do it. It's not, you know, some people say, well, it's setting the atmosphere. That's not why we do it. We do it because we want you to be able to focus on the Lord. We don't want you to worry too much about what people around you are doing or how they'll feel or whatever. And then when God begins to move on you, then just be responsive. Allow God to move on you. Allow Him to pour into you what He wants to pour into you. I promise you, I promise you, you will not be disappointed if you just let God touch you. Okay? For those of you that's watching this on video, this is Shauna. This is what she looks like today. Um, <laughs> I love Shauna. Uh, she's like one of my kids almost. Uh, but she works and helps us around here and, and, uh, and also the college. She works with, with registrar there at the college, uh, Covenant Bible College and Seminary. So I know some of you from the college are going to be watching this. And so uh, when you talk to registrar's office, this is who you're talking to. You're talking to Shauna. Okay? All right. Let's all, let's all stand. Thank you for listening to Dr. Jonathan Vorse on Working the Word. We appreciate your love and support. Visit www.jvorse.org to give a gift today. Don't forget to subscribe and enjoy the rest of your day. Always remember, the Word will work if you work the Word. Be blessed.